guest this week is Brzezowski, a longtime pal and inspiration, and as you might have noticed on other episodes, an inspiration to other guests as well. I split this one into two parts, as will be signified by the Funk Master Flex Bomb sound effect. Um, one note on my end. Before we begin, if you're listening to this on Monday, the 21st, I think my new EP is going to be streaming on Stereogum.com sometime today. Hopefully, if not, it'll be there tomorrow, but look look out for it. Endless Blaze, Volume 1. Once again, the artwork is by Mike Riley. I usually tell you to check out MikeRileyComics.com, but he came by the other day and dropped off a new comic called Commuters Number 3, Maximum Cantaloupe. It's a real tight story, and I enjoyed it a lot. So Google any part of that, and you'll see what's going on. And once again, we're being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at SpliceToday.com. Let's go. Well, I grew up in and around Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, I graduated from high school, actually, uh, right over the Rhode Island line in Massachusetts, Um, and uh, went to Bristol Community College uh, for two years, and I highly recommend Community College for for people that don't know what the hell they want to do with themselves or if their grades are terrible, and then then I transferred to Maine College of Art in 2001 after I'd gotten my grades up and uh, went there to uh, pursue painting and minored in art history and graduated in 2003. I moved back to Rhode Island for about a year to tie up some loose ends, break up with my band, break up with my girlfriend, and move back to Maine. <laughs> Pretty much. Got it, got it. And, like, what was Rhode Island like at that time? Well, it was interesting. Uh, they had a good punk scene that had you know was waning at that time. Um, a couple good metal bands. Um, there were still places to play then in Rhode Island, uh, unlike today, honestly, yeah. um, where unless, you know... You have a last name like uh, Danzig or, you know, you're the fucking Eagles or whatever. Like, there's nowhere to play. So, yeah. um, so it, was, it was still pretty cool, but the hip-hop scene was really, really fractured. Um, and I wasn't really friendly with a lot of folks, you know? Mm. Like, I, I knew, you know, I knew Sage Francis, you know, tangentially, and I knew Jared Paul tangentially. Uh, Back, like, in high yeah, school? Uh, no, I'm, I'm talking probably 99, 2000, yeah. 2001. Um, yeah, it was funny. I was like at my first like solo gig ever was at an event called Unity at the Met Cafe in, mm. in Providence, and um, you know, uh, so I get off stage, and this is back when you could still smoke butts inside, right? Right. And I like run over to the stage, and I'm like, you know, heaving for breath, but I'm like smoking a butt because I'm a degenerate, right? And then this dude in like ripped, you know, cargo camo pants comes over, and he's like, "You had good energy, man." And I like look around, and it was like Sage Francis, you know, back mm. in the, the the you know. That was back when he had the, the two-hour commercial for Sage, you know, radio show all the time. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. So 
Um, so yeah, I mean, the scene there was cool, but people weren't trying to like make moves, and they certainly weren't trying to make moves together. And that was when the internet was first like really heating up. Um, yeah, man. So that's pretty much that's where I came up. I mean, I was playing yeah. in punk bands from '94 to '99. Um, then I was in a metal band called Under the Weight from '99 to 2002. Mm. Um, and I was just like. Uh, you know, I, I, that's when I finally just bit the bullet and was like, I'm tired of having to arrange practice sessions for five dudes. And I've been, oh, doing, this yeah. and I've been doing this rap thing for a while. So <laughs> did the, did the rock bands, did you guys like tour and stuff or? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We, we did a lot of like short, like regional stuff, you know, we, yeah. we drive to New York to play. We do like, you know, weekend runs, you know, but we were, we were pretty poor and didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, we had a CDR demo and some t-shirts yeah. and a 40 minute set list and would, um, I don't think we were really trying to string together tours per se yet, but we were playing yeah. locally and regionally an awful lot. Okay, so you get tired of the five man practices and everything, and and get this rap shit together on a more like serious level. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I started out fucking with this group. I don't know if I, I'm sorry about the F word. No, uh, <laughs> I was doing. Um, I was started working with this crew out of Fall River, Mass, called the Nihilistics, and my buddy S1. Shout out to Mill Billy Art Gallery because that's what he runs these days. Mm. He uh, he actually was just you know, we were hanging out, and I was into you know graffiti. I was into the uh, spray art and a lot of the weirdo spray art. And he was like, "All right, dude, here's how to like actually do some old school can control. Here's how to cut a line. Here's you know how to do this mm. and that." And I already had an art background, so I picked it up pretty quick. And, the, you know, and then he was, you know, when he wasn't doing that, he was rapping. I was still in a punk man at the time while I'm doing, like, graph and stuff yeah. like that, you know. And, uh, yeah, and then just through hanging out at their practice sessions, started, like, writing rhymes and, and you know, really seriously writing rhymes, getting involved, featuring on their songs, going to them with, to, with them to gigs, doing open mics, doing poetry slams. I mean, there was a, a pretty healthy amount of events going on in Providence for hip-hop at the time. Mm. But because we weren't from there... Even though we were from there, you know what I mean. Weren't they, from the city, as in or? like they didn't go to high school with us, so okay. we're not gonna like <laughs> right. we're not gonna like get you a free church slot, right? Kind of right, thing. right. Um, and versus, you know, when I moved to Maine, people like you know they already had a DJ Boondocks already had a weekly Monday night hip hop night going, and that's the one that's continued up to this day as, right, as rap right. night. And uh, and I just basically drank beer there every Monday and harassed him until he gave me a feature, and that was like the first time they'd done like a, a regular featured performance set there. Mm. I, yeah, it's interesting. I just the other day I was thinking about the first time we played a show in two thousand four. Yeah, and then and then afterwards you being like, oh yeah, there's this like regular night that also happens this week, and we was that was that like what is rap night today? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, man, it has a long lineage. It went from. Uh, went from DJ Boondocks over to uh, to DJ Shade, who's now in Chicago, over to uh, uh, El Chupacabra, and um, and uh, Ill by Instinct. So it's their their gig now. Okay. So it's gosh, if I think about it, man, it's got to be not not totally continuous because there were a few lapses. But man, that's like sixteen years worth of a, one event, you know, on an off night. I think yeah. that's awesome. That's why. So I mean, it's technically speaking, it's like the longest running you know hip hop weekly in the country right now. So. Uh, so that's cool. It's been cool to be a part of that. Um, yeah, the, the first show we played together was we played with was it with Grand Buffet? Yeah, and you were with uh, it was Height and Bow, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the opening act was called Bi-Anal Ham Sandwich. Do you remember that? I can't say I remember that. <laughs> I do because it scarred me for life. <laughs> and you know that was back in the day when it was totally acceptable to rock your rap set off a CDR uh, disc man. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, that was kind of the industry standard if you right, didn't have right. a DJ. <laughs> like the sound of professionalism goes beep. 
beep. <laughs> Wait, I didn't get my tracks in yeah. order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, yeah. And, and that was during, and, when, and that show, I think, was 04. That was that year that I moved back to Rhode Island to try to figure my life out before I was like, oh, hell no, and then headed oh, back. Oh, okay. Forth. Yeah. To take it back to this first show, like, were you doing, you know, something that's similar to what what you do currently, or...? I think so. Yeah. I mean, my I, I my first like real like CDR solo CDR. This is back when CDRs were a thing, and you could sell them. I, I had. Um, I mean, you still can. We still can. But yeah. but I, I put out a project in two thousand two called. Uh, well, I, I put out one in two thousand one called Perpetual Winter, and one in two thousand two called um, New England Gothic, and they're definitely like the blueprint for everything I'm doing today is all mm. right there. You know, it's like fucking Castle Dracula on the cover, uh, complex raps about darkness and, and bad feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, little little jabs of humor and wordplay in there, you know, just to let everyone know that I'm not like I'm at home cutting myself crying. Like, <laughs> I think all this shit is fun and my. Right. So, so I think it was all it was all there, but it wasn't nearly as evolved, you know, but the blueprints were there. Uh, I kind of knew what I wanted to explore right away. Like, how did it go over in, at like the Hip Hop Weekly, you know, to. To come I mean, out with the crazy shit. Uh, I think it went it went really well actually because um, I don't know like this bar that they had it. I was kind of like Cheers, you know. A lot of the regulars would be there maybe yeah. more than once a week. So um, I think to some of the people, it's like, ah, oh, it's that crazy guy with the long hair that loves PBR is going to go rap now, you know? Right, right, right. Or you know, your college classmates would come out and check it. Yeah. Um, so it actually went over really well. You know, a few people came up to me and was like, you know, I would appreciate it if you didn't freestyle about abortions anymore. You know, I mean, like occasionally <laughs> there would be like days where I'd be like, oh, maybe I went a little too, a little too in, you know? Um, right. But uh, but yeah, the, uh, generally the reaction was really good, man. I mean. It was it was pretty amazing to not be that good and only have like some CDRs out and to be able to sell out like a 150 person room. Do you know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. uh, with all locals and you being the headliner, you're like, yeah. holy shit, that's that's something. So I mean, at that with that head of steam locally, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Anticon's going to sign me next week, mm. and I'm going to fucking or you know maybe Mike Patton and Epicac will take me. And you know, and the next thing I know, it's going to be the gravy train and skateboard endorsements and shit. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so uh, things were moving really fast back then. Mm. When did you first take things on the road? A mysterious stranger named MC Homeless mm. um, basically hit me up and was like, you know, we were talking and trading tapes and we had mutual friends. And uh, he was like, hey, Brazil, you know, I'd like to get you out to Ohio to play a couple shows. So he booked me like three shows in four days. I took the bus from Providence, Rhode Island to Youngstown, Ohio, 23 anguishing hours. Damn. Got there, did my thing, stopped in every podunk town, right? Yeah. Like every podunk town. <laughs> and uh, got there, rocked the shows. Uh, I, I think we played like, we played in Kent, and then we played like Youngstown, and then Liberty Township or something, and mm. then hopped back in, which is basically all the same place anyway, right. more or less. <laughs> and then hopped back on the bus. And that was the first taste of it. I really, I really liked it. I mean, I had been doing back and forth between like um, Providence, Boston, Vermont, uh, Portland, other places in Maine, like one-offs anyway, but it was cool to like, string a few together, and then I just had the bug, and that was it. I was like, all right, we're done. Mm. Like, it's time to like start stringing stuff together and yeah. doing longer runs. So that was like the first experience where I was out, out, you know, more than a three-hour drive, four-hour drive from home uh, as a rapper, and then uh, and then we decided to, uh, and then the next tour, I went on uh, like a crazy sort of bus tour with like V8 in 2005. Um 
And uh, yeah, and that was really fun and, and a learning experience for sure in a lot of ways. You guys just got the like Amera passes or something, something like that. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, we were just nuts. Dude. How many shows? I think it was eight. Okay, or nine, and it ended in Orono, Maine, which is like you know hours north of Portland where we yeah. lived, to play at uh, Umaine Orono to open for Hangar 18. That was like the last show. Oh, okay. So it was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little did we know that Orono, Maine had never heard of Hangar 18, but but we were really excited to go do it. And I had known those guys from you know before anyway. Yeah. Um, great shout out to Hangar 18. Um, so. Yeah, man, and that's, I think that's how it started. And then for some reason, after what those could sound like mildly miserable experiences, I was just, like, addicted. Yeah. That was it. You know, you kind of, like, you know, when it goes right, it goes so right, you know? And so it's, like, you're kind of, like, chasing the dragon of, like, you know, all right, that night where everything was perfect and we made some money and all our friends came out, and we were chasing that. Right, in right. perpetuity, you know? Um, which is totally, I'm cool with that, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I guess that's why I'm still at it, you know? But it's changed. You know, the models change. Obviously, I got it a little tighter. I'm like, okay, cool. Only trying to work with professional cats that are really even, that are gregarious and have a good attitude, that aren't going to get lost. They're yeah. not going to go try to hook up with someone and then not be back at the car when they need to be, you know? So just through experiences and paring it down, it's just gotten easier and more fun and more, right, I, don't know, right. I dare say, more um, worthwhile to your career and more profitable, too. I mean, yeah. as you dial it in. I mean, you're a beast. You know, you've been doing like crazy runs for for years now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, it's very cool to talk to other people that are that are doing it like this. You know. Yeah. Like, like one thing I think is interesting about you is, like, say like when Colin was on the podcast, like he he was talking about like he really wanted to like impress you kind of like when he moved to new england oh, like geez. like i want to get his like approval or something like yeah that. And, and then like uh leo recently i was talking to him he's uh, like he's like brzezowski is a artist of a certain pedigree like <laughs> like he was like he's like he'll be like don't do that jerk off motion when you do your rap. He's like, <laughs> say your name before you like do your. Oh my god! Like, I yeah, know. I did get the nickname Mean Uncle Brizzo. I didn't okay. give myself that nickname. That was given to me because I was always doing that to, to kids. Like when I say kids, I mean they're my peers essentially. But yeah, Leo, I'd always be like, make sure you say your yeah, make sure you say your name. Don't do this or that. Right. Hold the mic like this. Make nice. Don't berate the sound man in front of people. But you know, when you're just coming up, your first you know dozen shows, two dozen shows. You know, you might not know that, but I had like extreme love for all those dudes. I wasn't trying to be like a prick whipcracker. I loved. Oh, I didn't think of that. You know, that way at all. You know, and uh, because I just wanted everyone to come up together. I mean, uh, PT Burnham is an amazing talent, you know, and a great friend, and I wish him all the best. He's always killing it. You know, he always impresses me. Um, We did the round robin in Providence. I was like, Jesus, I gotta follow that. Christ. So, <laughs> you know, um, and I, you know, I love that feeling. Uh, right. Leo, he's got, he's got some of those. Just actually singing his praises uh, earlier today. He's got some of the best writing in underground hip hop. Period. Oh yeah, like, his lyrics are so far out there. And I've seen him do stuff like he like I've seen him like cook pancakes shirtless in a ski mask while rapping. Like you know <laughs> what I mean? He'll do like this far out, right, right, antagonistic. It's almost like performance art, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and then yeah, a lot of those kids. H.W. from Boston and. Swordplay from uh, Virginia. I mean, just like this whole like network of like really wonderful kids that were, um, you know, really only just a few years uh, younger than I. But I guess maybe I would overstep my bounds, and I used to drink a little more than I do now. <laughs> and maybe I'd just overstep my bounds and be like, you know, 
hey man, you know, I'm just telling people I wish someone had told me. Like I had to teach everything, right, right, everything myself, you know. And I still try to be a resource for anyone too. Like, yeah. hey, how do I write? Like, I have a, a couple homies, you know, not gonna blow up anyone's spot around Portland that are younger and they're talented and starting to make moves. And they're like, hey, hey, man, can you can I forward you an email from this agent or whatever? Can you look at it and tell me how I should respond? And I don't yeah. mind doing that for my people or for. Yeah, I wish the hell someone did that for me. You know, it's just exceedingly humbling to hear kind of feedback like that, you know, yeah. and that, that it was taken the right way and in the right spirit. You know, those, those guys are all amazing. I wish them all the best. You know, I mean, that those are the people I usually listen to first, you know, I mean, because we get so flooded with music these days. Those are the people I always check for, you know, when, like, yeah. when Seth on Gray Street puts out a record that that gets listened to first. Yeah. Before whatever else, you know, exactly. So, um, so like as far as your stuff, like I remember in 2005, when you played Baltimore, that was like the Mary Shelley overdrive. Yeah, yeah. Was that kind of like the first album you feel like the first official album? In a that way? was that was the first official album. I mean, if you want to get technical, I only have two official albums. Um, I've done a lot of CDRs. I've done three different compilations, EPs, um, and features out the wazoo, a couple seven inches. But yeah. I've only have two real albums, uh, and that one was like it took forever to make. It took like three years to make. And uh, and I put like basically this whole thing into. I want it to be. It wasn't really a concept album, but there was a thread. Yeah, you know? and it was basically like the basic concept of you know Mary Shelley, author Frankenstein, but she was also like this abstract love object. And the idea that um, you know loving some people that can't love you back is like loving a dead person. You know what I mean? And some people mm. put that together, and some people didn't. Um, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah. it's because it was meant to be like hermetic and weird. You know, I, I clearly right, right. Um, you can take any line on that and describe any meaning you want to it because it's so. You know, triplicate entendres and right, foolishness right, right. like that, you know. Um, like, 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 I in my mind, I was like, how, like, okay, people are like, oh, this is weird rap, and that's weird rap, and, and I'd listen to the artist that's someone be like, this is weird rap, and I'd be like, that ain't weird, I'll show you weird. <laughs> you know, and I had that attitude, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, for some reason, that was really important to me at the time. Um, and, I, and I feel like there's some artists today, you know, too, when I hear them, <clears throat> and they're, you know, younger, too, and I'm like, oh, you really, you really want everyone to know how smart you are. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and I, don't, I don't fault them for that, because I was that kid, too, in a way, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that, that came out. A lot of those songs didn't translate well live, as you can imagine, because uh, some were more down-tempo darker content it's really hard to tell like uh, an abstract vampire story for seven minutes while people are drinking beer in a pub on a tuesday so you know you find what songs are going to work what remixes you're going to do and what of your other material and um and that actually set the template for what i do now because every release every ep project whatever i always handpick i cherry pick like two songs for live and the rest are just meant for your earbuds in your car mm. and you know what i'm saying totally because not everything's going to translate and i don't want to Unless the crowd really knows me and is really ready for it. I'm not going to unpack like a... Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into part two, where we talk about these indie rap labels. And we talk about Milled Pavement, the label he's involved in, which has been going 10 years strong. I I I, I kind of wish that there were still rallying points today. What do you mean? Um, well, I mean it's less important to be affiliated with like a crew or anything or a label uh, these days. Mm. Um, you know, people like r- labels like Uncommon or like you know for a very specific set of projects now. You know, 
Um, you know, it's basically NASA's hands got to be directly in it, you know, milled pavement, whereas opposed to we used to put out a ton of artists, you know, we're down to like a core, like five artists that we are actually working with to put stuff out. Um, you know, Fake Four actually is a great, you know, they're, they're carrying a great banner, you know. Um, yeah. But, but those are, but a lot of these projects, they're one-off projects, you know, we're not like, there's no group identity like that, like, um, like there was back then, I think. Like the this team of dudes, right? This, yeah, idea. right, yeah. Or uh, you know, Baby Grand Records is this stable of homies, you know, that are right, right, whatever, you know. Uh, and now, uh, yeah, now it's just like, oh man, yeah, I just floated over to your label and I'm gonna drop a seven inch over there, and then maybe those two yeah. guys want me to do a tape, and I'll do that, and then, um, and it's less important that whole thing, and that the brand identity is less important, and I'm not sure if I like that better or worse. Hmm. And, and speaking of which, like. What is milled pavement? Like, are you one of the guys running it? Um, the we, guy? we try to break it down like the mafia. So Moshe okay. is the boss. I'm the underboss. Mike Clouds is the consigliere. So uh, basic, the basic so. decisions happen there in that way and in that order. Um, and then soldiers and associates. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, Moshe has the final say. Uh, he does a lot of the, the behind-the-screens web work. Um you know, he's a DJ, he runs the label, he does all of the, the paperwork and deals with most of that stuff. I'll do with A&R and helping artists, like, finish their records and being like, no, that cover looks generic, we're gonna do something else, you know? Make some of those decisions on, like, the actual order of songs and help people get features and... Um, yeah, man, so it's a labor of love, though. It's, it's, it's an artist collective. It's not a business per se. Like, yeah, we do, like, some taxes on the books, but it's not like... Um, it's not a huge money-making endeavor. I mean, we do things real small. You know, we do. Uh, we'll we can offer an artist like say, uh, digital distribution, uh, an in-house press push, an in-house radio push. Uh, with a, you know, we have a little bit of help now. I, we just got a new distribution deal. It's going to be lined up probably by February. So I don't want to really speak on that till it's out. Yeah. But it's going to be. If you've noticed, I don't know when this is going to come out, but for a few Pretty months, soon. all of our digital uh, mill payment digital presences, other than uh, Bandcamp and buying the physical CDs, are going to be dark for a couple months. Oh, okay. And when they come back, we're going to be on a lot more platforms than we were before. Nice. Which I'm really excited about. Uh, starting with the new 32 French record, The Beautiful Sound of Chaos, featuring Michael Kill, K the Eye, um, a lot of great folks. Um, so yeah, so that that's but we're an artist collective first and foremost. I'm not right. gonna be like, yo, we're a crew, we're business, we're a bunch of friends that make music. Yeah, and, and we all have very you know different ideas and viewpoints too. There's not like a group identity per se. But it's cool that like it's been rolling for so long. You know, like I feel like so many labels have since the time I started hearing that name have come and gone you know yeah man yeah um, 57 releases i think it's crazy that's insane yeah. and um and we're still getting better too i mean i think at the beginning we didn't know what we were doing we we're like uh here's a website where you can buy a t-shirt and the cds of our friends you know right all the way to like oh here's a press link and let's make a video and this gets reviewed because we send it around and do xyz you know learning by doing yeah you know learning to walk by waking up and being willing to fall and now i think we're you know we we have it dialed in quite a bit tighter than we ever did and oh that's great and i'm excited about it man but you know we do things on a small scale we're not um, we all have other sources of income like yeah. uh, i don't go home and like you know, I don't, I don't cut broccoli on my, you know, platinum Brizzo record on my right. pavement. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So, but it's, yeah, and, I, and I, I stand behind everything that we put out, you know, and we have very, very stringent um, kind of internal rules for that, too. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, 
basically like a, that's why we've put out a lot of instrumental stuff because a lot of our favorite MCs are already other places, you know. So right, right. People send us an uh, instro record, or you know, we we say yay or nay, and um, you know, hopefully, we're going to do another compilation coming this year. Um, we've toured uh, Europe five times as milled pavement, you know, basically mm. Moshe and I, and then the, the last time uh, Moshe and Clouds and I, um, just to like have that sort of crew tour. Right. Um, and those guys aren't super interested in touring the States. They'll do one-offs, you know, in Boston, Portland, New Hampshire, but they're not like trying to hit it, you know? Right. Right. They got like families and grown men problems and stuff. Mm. And I respect it, you know? Like when, when did you first start going over to Europe? Oh, first time was, um, oh, December of 2009, um, Moshe and I went for, I think we did, I want to say we did 10 shows in 12 days or something like that. It was a whirlwind. And we hit uh, France and I think two shows in Germany. And uh, it was like the most fun, but also like one of the scariest, craziest things like Mm. I'd ever done because I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't speak French or German. Don't understand the way the rail system works. Um... Yeah, I mean, I was just learning by doing. It was like, yeah. all right, kiddo, here, here you go. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we learned a lot. It was a whirlwind. I'm uh, really fun, great crowds. Um, you know, it was funny, man. I actually, as I flew out, this is when the bird flu thing was popping hard. And they had these big signs, like, do not let people that look sick into the border. And I'm like, like this, my sinuses are full of death. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I had 103 fever. Trying to be, like, cheerful and not, you know, talk through my mouth and uh, talk through my nose, rather. And, um yeah, so it was pretty. It was pretty surreal, man. So I had this like hallucinatory fever for a nine-hour flight. Woke up and was like in a foreign country. I was like, oh, okay, this just got real. Jesus Christ! And it was cool, man. We played everything from really nice like theaters and venues to like punk rock squats yeah. to pubs to you know. That's the way I like it, though. I like everything from super super official fancy pants to like, all right, we're gonna plug in this PA and hope it still works and play in this garage in a field and you know. Um, the DIY system that works over there very, very well. I, I, I'm not the first to say this. It works far better than it does here. Yeah. You know, you play a DIY venue there, there's still food and a clean place to sleep for the artist. There's like hospitality. Um, if you're lost or you need some basic human needs, like where's the ATM or I need to find a phone charger cord, like one of the local homies would probably be like, dude, let's go for a walk. I could find that stuff for you. Right. You know, and um, they're just a little bit more um, agreeable. And I don't know if it's because you come from so far away that they want you to have a good experience or what. But, you know, and I play a lot of DIY U.S. shows. The money's not, <laughs> I don't even want right. to say it's not there, but, yeah, it's usually not there. Um, some of the shows are great, but it's like, man, I mean, at... In my advanced rap age, like you need a little bit of cash, you know. Yeah. And um, as you know, so um, yeah, yeah. So I, so I think DIY is going is popping way harder over there, and, and I've I've had a lot of fun over there. And so I get why like homies like my man Moshe are just straight up spoiled, or, or like my homie Ancient Myth who like will go to Europe tour for like three months, and then he'll play like Denver twice, and then he'll just drop a new record, plan his next move, and go back over. Right, right. Which yeah, I'm all about. If that's that's your vibe, that's cool. Yeah. But I, yeah, but I encourage anyone that's really, you know, really serious about their music career to get the hell over there and mm. sniff it out at least once, you know? Yeah. Um, and do you feel like you have, like, I feel like the term fan base can sound, like, pretentious or something. Yeah. But do you feel like you have some kind of, like, traction? I feel like there? I have a great amount of support out there. That's all? For awesome. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not, like, I don't like fandom and fans either. Those are weird words to me. But uh, but supporters, for sure. There's a lot yeah. of support out there. and. uh 
there's a lot of damn talented artists too that it's like always exciting to play with like Monsieur Sai or uh, Lempard Dusang or uh, James Reindeer for instance um, gosh and Appear the Motionless oh yeah yeah um, D Damage I mean this it's like it just goes on and on and on um, awesome awesome artists out there um, so yeah I mean it's just it's been a, it's been a real I realize how lucky I am to be able to do that too I mean yeah. so few people I think you are able to do that. I mean, there are people in the States that are way bigger than I am that have never gone over there and, and done that, you know? So I feel like that's cool. You're just picking your spots and being happy with what you get. And, you know, like we were talking about this in Providence a while ago, but like being your own booking agent for like years and years and years. Yeah. And like, so are you, is that the case in Europe too? Like you're booking all those tours yeah. yourself? Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I, I do that uh, on occasion. I, I have had some, like the last tour, uh, I had some help from, you know, obviously my friends over there, Miss Yosai, Pierre the Motionless has helped us get gigs every time. Yeah. Um, I have a, um, um, uh, there's a group called, um, Underground Art. Uh, it's a little sort of mini artist collective out in Freiburg. Um, that have that have helped us get gigs, you know, in the in that German area. So I mean, the more you make friends and the more you go, those people will help you get. Instead of next time you, them just getting you one gig, they can maybe get you two or three. Right, right. And that really makes it better because you can talk to like your five hardcore friends that yeah. know everybody, and you give them the dates, and they can they can work for you a little bit. Yeah, which is super dope, uh, and that changes the game. Um, but yeah, so I, I, do, I do that a lot. It, it takes a long time. Um, it's a different speed of life, so it takes a long, a longer for people to respond, longer to get dates locked down, mm. things like that. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just, uh, I've definitely complained about being your own booking agent, but that's just the re- the reality of it. Well, well, I thought what was interesting, what you were saying is like, and I, I feel kind of the same thing, but I'd never articulated it. Like, you feel like you want someone that's going to like add to what you're doing and not just like like you know like come in and like take all your like contacts yeah totally yeah yeah i mean at one point uh, somebody was talking to me about doing bookings for me and i i felt like yeah i felt like they weren't necessarily like adding a lot of value because i had a lot of those yeah. Some contacts, and I didn't want to just plink over my Rolodex of who I know. I wanted them to, yeah. And then, I, yeah, I'm very protective of certain connects. You know, if, if we're not on the friend circuit, then the friend circuit's different. If you need to know somebody in a city, I know somebody, then you know somebody. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? But if you're just kind of swooping in, it's a very businessy kind of thing. There's no way I'm turning over like the hard fought European contacts that I spent thousands of dollars and years to get. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's just not yeah. a thing, you know? Um, uh, and, like, if I, and if I can sniff yeah. that weirdness coming out of you, then I'm like, whoa, you know? So, right. Um, yeah, and so and so, I'm cool with that. You know, I think the same thing is this, uh, and you experience this a lot too. And I'm sure NASA, who's quietly chilling to my left and yes. is going to be interviewed in a minute, yes. understands that as well. I mean, a lot of people will be like, "Hey, man, when are you going to take me on tour? Hey, man, how can I do what you do? Like, you can do it by putting in a fuck ton of work for a fuck ton of years, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, but like, you know, but to the first question, how do you? How do I go on tour with you? It's like when you add value to the show is when we go on tour together. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when you have fans and contacts yeah. in the circuit. Because then we team up and it's like Voltron and it's not like one of us pulling the other one as well. Right, right. We're adding value to the experience in, in, the, in the show for the kids. So, And it, it, I feel like people sometimes don't realize that it's like whatever they might look at any of us having and being like, oh, I want, give me some of that. It's like... There's almost, like, not enough to go around. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like if I was, like, like 
a famous dude that was like selling out these like halls or so i'd be like right. i'd be like of course you know like come come and open up like if it was like we did it now we can like share this right that. Share but it spoils like, a little bit right yeah but it's like that's just not at all the situation you know right I mean? right and um it's true, man, and, and uh, you know when I've been in positions of power to hook up people, I I, I have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And um, yeah, like I've you know I've just, whether that's getting people an opening slot that I know that they're a fan of that person, but I know that I can make that connect. You know, it's just give them that little Christmas present when you can. But yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard when you're put on the spot with the ask. You know. Totally. You know what totally. I'm saying? Unless it's like something. Yeah, like I'll I'll do a feature for you, homie, but we can't go on tour, kind of thing. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, this year, maybe next year, I'll watch what you do. <laughs> yeah, go watch what I do. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So there are weird moments like that, even in the underground, for sure. You know, because I never think of it as like, um, yeah, yeah. It's like, yo, how do I get a piece of that? And it's like, well, the way you get a piece of that is this very long, convoluted trajectory over <laughs> right, a decade plus. Right. You know, <laughs> right, right. And it's like really. Um, people get really turned off when you say that, I guess. I'm blanking on your album that came out in 2011. Uh, a Fitful Sleep came Thank out. Thank you. I'm sure that was like a year's in the making. Kind yeah, of that took four years to make. Yeah, um, four, four and a half years to make. Um, four years to make, a year to wait for the mixes from me. Okay. Yeah. And then it, uh, and because I built it song at a time, you know, mm. and every time I made a new song, it would go in, you know, two piles. It would go in the Fitful Sleep pile or it would go in the other pile and that just didn't feel quite fit. yeah and i was really really happy with that album and and i was on this you know i as i mentioned before i went to art school and i like always have these weird ideas of like even though i'm not a breeder i have ideas of like legacy and i want to feel like if i got hit by a bus tomorrow every record i put out would be like and that was his last thing and that's pretty damn good yeah do you know what i mean that's kind of the way that i think so Sometimes that can bog you down into second guessing and, and second thinking stuff instead of saying like, "That's just done," and you know, universe willing, you can make another one next year or mm. four years if it takes right. you that long again. So, uh, so yeah, so I mean, I mean, I've been working on a new record since that's been over, and it's been about five years. Wow. So yeah, and uh, yeah, and we'll see how that that comes out. I mean, I still haven't decided if I'm going to put out an EP or an LP as soon as the new distro deal pops off. The title is the Wooly Aphid. Okay. Um, and I already got the artwork. I already got most of the songs. It's all about how those pieces are going to come together. But yeah, Fitful Sleep, I was really proud of that. And that's why, I mean, I've sold over a thousand copies of that record, which that's awesome. by underground standards, that's like fucking quadruple cardboard these days, yeah. you know? I mean, because nobody's selling shit for physicals, you know? Yeah. And I guess the like blood drive stuff and all that. So, so it seems like that's kind of your system is like enough stuff like that comes out. Yeah. No one could be like. Yeah, what's dude doing? Yeah. Why is he torn again? He's got nothing to sell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right, man. Like when when I feel like oh this lull is happening, you know, I'm like put out a blood drive, which is a collection of like features or, or demos or unused tracks or stuff like that. You know how producers these days they're like, yo, yo, I'll lease you a beat. Right, right. right. Well, I've been doing this thing where I was like, yo, I'll lease you a verse, and if the song doesn't come out, I'm gonna take it back, and it's gonna end up on one of my things. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't put in the time to. Record something for you to not release it and not talk to me about it. Does that make sense? Maybe that's real jerkish to me, but I just don't understand the system. Well, the system is you know how uh, ex well, except money's not involved most of the time. Okay. Like, um, yeah, like if if you pay me for a feature, that's that's your feature. But I joke, and I say you know uh, producers like I'll lease you a beat. Like you can have yeah. this beat for me, 
and then I'm going to repossess it after your single comes out, and then I'm going to sell that beat again to someone else, okay? Which I think is super fucked up. I thought I thought the way that works is you're leasing it to, to like, it's like this amount of money to record something on it, uh, and then yeah. it's like you pay if it comes out on an official release. Like uh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe yeah, not. No, maybe we have different understandings. We should ask DJ Payne one. I bet he knows. Mm. <laughs> Peace to pain one. I'm sure he knows. He's, He's like, coming at you with these lease <laughs> opportunities. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I just, I really actually enjoy his uh, video podcast. Yeah. Actually, and I've, I've only met him once, but he's a solid dude, and he cracks me up with his... He's like, he can be funny and be very stone-faced at the same time. I have a really goofy delivery. He has a very stone-faced straight delivery, and mm. I've always been trying to master that one. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's the idea is like, you know, if I do a verse for you and, and nothing happens, I'm going to take it back. Yeah. Um, and I might not even leave your verse on it if you just lost interest and didn't talk to me, you know? If I right, right, right. Because I never release anything I did with other people if it's been on their project or it's for a project uh, without talking to them. Be like, hey, man, just so you know, I'm going to throw this thing that we did on your tour CD from 08 on this other thing. You know, you want to make sure it's cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so compilations, EPs. I do, a, I do, do a lot of features. Like, I had, like, four or five features drop just in the month of October alone. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Just, you know, because it just it keeps your name out there. It keeps keeps me busy. And it takes some of the pressure off how crazy deep I get in my head over making an album, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, and that's, the, that's my cycle, pretty much, you know? So, album... Compilation of of collabos and demos and one offs, a uh, bunch of features and album again. Oh yeah, that's where it works for me anyway. Awesome. We're looking forward to this album number three. Thanks, man. man. Um, have you heard any of the vinyl cape stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, let's talk about that as well. All right. Um, well, vinyl cape started as me and C Money Burns um, back when C Money was still. Uh, still wanted to drink beer we would basically we would go to a bar and we'd each have like lists of bands and of artists and of rappers that we liked and uh, we'd compare notes compare lists and then we'd start making lists of things that it wasn't going to be about like it's not going to reference hip-hop whatsoever mm. um it's not going to have uh, any love songs we're going to take that out uh, the word i or the first person regular you know first person is not going to be utilized in most of the yeah. songs so we're like taking this list and like making it reductive uh and then after we subtracted a bunch of things, then we added it a bunch of things. You're we like, um, political content, bad 50s B-movies. You know, we started adding in all of this stuff. And, uh, and, um, and it became sort of like a real, it's a true, um, you know, people are like, uh, we, we did get one horrible review by someone that I think really didn't get it. I think they looked at the cover and then maybe read the description and didn't really listen to it because it is a really interesting confluence of influences. See, Money's a jazz guy. I come from like a doom metal band after I was in a punk band. So these are people that actually know a little bit about music and about metal and stuff right, like that. Right, right, right. Synthesizing it with techno and beat driven music and hip hop. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it's it re really, we've been on tour twice with Vinyl Cape, uh, once with NASA, once with uh, Sketch Cataclysm for short runs to see yeah. how it plays in front of a live crowd. Some people absolutely love it. Some people absolutely are terrified and don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it's really good. I mean, we put out a seven inch through DIY Bandits in Connecticut. Um, we put out um, a sort of a, a mixtape of a lot of just cleaned out the, 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 uh, cleaned out our, our, our basically desk drawers of little songs and ideas yeah. and songlets and um that were all related to the topic to the to the vinyl capes D's. Uh put out a free single and then we have an album that's there's basically one song 
that I'm fighting with. And then when that one song I'm done fighting with it, it'll be done. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, but it's like a nine minute song and the lyrics are like getting really, I'm having, I'm not having trouble, but I'm, I'm, I'm not satisfied yet. Yeah. And it's like the crowning, it's like the crown of the album. So it needs to be right for me to let it go. And, uh, so we're really stoked about that. We're not sure who's going to put it out. Um, you know, Moshe, who I said is, is the boss was like, we get the right of first refusal. <laughs> so even though we don't have a contract, I'll probably love it his way. Um, DIY bandits had talked about doing it, but I know, um, I know that Pepe was talking about doing something else with the label. So that remains to be seen. Is it, um, a project you guys are going to like tour as that group? That's lot? the plan. Um, yeah. I so it's me, C money awesome. and, and Mo Nichols on yeah. the turntables and samples. And, uh, Mo's in really high demand these days. Um, he's like, he, man, he's, uh, he's been like a tour DJ for Chesky and Billy Woods and, and, you know, so many folks and, uh, um, Prem and Prem Rock and yeah, so many, so many folks. So if, if we can make the timing happen, um, my good friend Jane Boxall, uh, she's a great drummer uh, from Nashville. She's re- she's down to play drums on the road too. So we oh, nice. we got to figure out a way to make it financially feasible. Uh, yeah. For me, one of the difficult things was for the B- Vinyl Cape tours was that you know we're getting paid like one act, but there's now three of us totally. and a lot more gear to to, to carry. Whereas opposed to when it's me and like DJ laptop and home homeboy iPad, all of a sudden you know, hundred bucks goes a lot further. Right, right. So it's about finding a way to make that work for me. But that is the plan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be like really successful if I can project this idea. Like, I don't know. Like, have you ever read Chuck D's blog? No. Uh-uh. It's like. Like one of his biggest things is that like groups need mm-hmm. to come back and rap. Yeah, and, and he's like, it's sort of saying like, imagine if Public Enemy was just called Chuck D. Yeah, and like you, when you think of it, you just see him. You know what I mean? And right. Like, but you don't because you picture the whole posse, yeah, the yeah. big logo behind it, and it's like, yo, like the threat is real, Public Enemy. You yeah. know, and and. uh yeah, yeah, you're totally right. I would have a total different impact on the consciousness, you know? Yeah, yeah, and like it's almost like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people like that listen to music don't listen that closely. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like if you just introduce those songs as new Brzezowski songs, like right. a few people would notice a difference. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's something about having like a new aesthetic, right. a new presentation. That's, I, I don't know. I yeah. think people will really... Will really dig it, you know. I think so, man. I, and I think that's going to be about getting in front of the right audiences. The most successful vinyl cape shows thus far um, were surprisingly or unsurprisingly uh, the couple times that we played in New York. Those are two, I think, the better receptions that we received. And then uh, we played two shows um, with metal bands. Oh, cool. and that went over really, really well. So, um, hip hop fans are like, "Yo, I totally hate this," and metal fans are like, "Is that guy rapping over like a crunchy riff with like a DJ? Like, this is weird." Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but we've managed to convert a lot of a lot of folks. It's just about finding the little finding the people that make sense to play with. Just like just like with my weirdo hip hop shit, yeah. you gotta figure out which cats you're gonna. You might not fit with like the general and the Molly fam or whatever, but you know, but you might work with with height. You know what I'm saying? Or you might work with NASA. Right. Or you know what I'm saying? Finding your little your little niche. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I'm really excited about that. It's about being very very smart with the timing and with the finance because we're I'm gonna gamble big on it. You know, in terms right, of right. the tour, it's like I want to bring a high production value show and it could hurt. 
financially this time. But I'm willing to suck it up because, like like you said, I mean, I believe that it could it could pop pretty hard. Yeah. Plan for success anyway. Yes. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And then uh, collaboratively, I got this new new EP coming up with NASA. And oh, cool. I'm not gonna say too much about that, but that's um, awesome. It's called Churn. I went down to New York, rocked a show over the summer. Woodshedded and took over, stunk up his living room for two days, and uh, dead of summer. And uh, you know, uh, he made beats like first thing in the morning, and then um, and then I'd add some guitar, and then we'd rap in the afternoon. And got like you know three songs done really quickly. I'm working on uh, working on a fourth right now, and probably gonna do a vinyl only thing. We'll see what happens. We're, all, yeah. we're gonna shop it around a little bit and see who might want to step to us first. Oh, that's um, awesome. So yeah, so I, I have enough going on that I'm not. Um, I'm not guilty that I haven't put out like a new solo record in a while because there's just oh, so much stuff yeah. happening, and I do envy, I do envy cats that can put out an album every year and do that, you know, press and tour cycle. I think that's totally awesome. Um, I just personally, I personally can't. Mm. I don't know exactly why. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of finishing things, but the album is like, you know, I always think of it in terms of this is art school again. It's your magnum statement, right? This is your final, your right, final right, portfolio, right? right? Um, but yeah, and, and that's and that's part of the fun of the struggle, though, too. I mean, I actually do. I'm not one of those people that's product oriented. I actually enjoy the process. I like sitting in there and pressing buttons and switching in one verse out for another. And is there another way to say Triskaidekaphobic Invisible Backpack? Let me see. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, I really do enjoy that struggle, that fight with it. It's like painting to me. Anything else you want to mention? Um, yeah, just keep your eyes out for Churn, uh, Mill Pavement Records, brand new distribution deal is going to be relaunching soon. Um, 32 French, The Beautiful Sound of Chaos is coming out on Mill Pavement late this winter, early this spring. Uh, I'm going to be on tour on the West Coast with DJ Halo from Fake Four in January. Um, uh, buy everything at my band camp or buy physical copies at a show or uh, or through the Mill Pavement website until then. So Big Brizzo can keep the lights on this winter, not mean. Yes. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. Oh, it's uh, it's great you, to be man. back in, in Baltimore and reconnect with you, and I appreciate your time, and I appreciate all the supporters out there. You guys are the best. All right. Thanks again to Brzezowski. We'll see you next week.